Yo, what's going on, everybody? We are live on Instagram for the first time. Yeah. This is awesome. This is cool. Hello, everybody. Live on Instagram, live on YouTube. The first real live show of the two, three. Not technically the first one. Uh, this is actually the second one. But really great to see everybody's uh, beautiful faces. If you got any questions for us, say say anything in the chat, man. We're we're open ears right now. Zach, this is fun, man. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, anyone joining in, like Cam said, say what up, say hi, say whatever you want to say in the chat. We have uh, some topics and things we want to go over. But yeah, we're uh, just gonna get into it, I guess. Yeah, Zach. The uh, you know we're good start to the year. I mean, I want to say good first half, but it's technically not the first half. We're actually what eighteen games in, but a really rough loss to Florida State, eighty five sixty nine. First home loss of the year. Uh, this one really stung because it was a, a team that we probably should have beaten, all things considered. But when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, Zach, like this is, you know, they are a good team. Florida State coming into this matchup, they they have a very solid offense as we've seen. But just a, a lot of lapses and, I don't know, some players that I didn't really think were going to uh, have any hiccups at this point in the year. Yeah, it was a tough one. I mean, like you said, first home loss of the year. I really just think their their infamous Florida State's you know t- ten to twelve man rotation just wars down on the stretch. You know, yeah. Leonard Hamilton just knows how to use his entire bench. He has the depth to do so, and he just I don't know. It's it's kind of cool how he's able to get involved with his whole team like that, and he always has the depth to do that. But yeah, it's uh worse down on the stretch and they uh we look we look pretty tired there down the stretch of that last, you know, seven, eight minutes. Now, the last time that we were on any sort of airwaves at all was before the Duke matchup. And since then we've had a couple of pretty notable wins, in particular the Miami game. That was a fantastic win, a fantastic shot by Q. I don't want to say that this is kind of like a dagger in the heart because I really don't think it is, especially at this point in the year when the team has uh, really, you know, proved themselves. And as Scotty says, Cuse didn't help themselves at all in this loss. They absolutely did not. But yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So I think all things considered, while it's not necessarily a dagger in the heart, it definitely takes the wind out of the sails. Like you and I had talked about, hey, man, after the Florida State game, we should go live. And when we were doing notes for this game, it was like, wow, this is. This is not as fun as we thought that it was going to be uh, right after that Miami win. Dude, when this team wins, they make you feel like you can run through a wall. They make you feel (laughs) like you can blast off to the moon. It makes you feel like anything is possible. Yeah. And when they lose, you're like, what is life? What is life mean? Like, what, how do I move on? You know, it's, it's really tough. And a lot of those losses are, are big ones, unfortunately. I think the average is like 20-something points for our six losses now. This is, it's just tough. It's, it's tough to combat that, tough to come back from that. And when we lose, unfortunately, it's by quite the margin, which is always this spirit of the heart. So I've actually got the differences uh, in our losses. We got 17-point loss, then 19, then 22, then 20. 36 that was against UNC and then this past one that was a 16 point loss. So like you said when we lose we lose bad. And when the the flip side of that is, you know, when we win we win in fantastic fashion in you know, amazing fantastic oh my god this team is basically a a you know, final four team fashion, but this is the problem with a young team is that with that inexperience also comes, you know, the the kind of ebbs and flows of of the program. And we're gonna lose big sometimes, but at the end of the day, this is a young team that is really, really, really uh fun to watch. And they've proved that that Miami one was fantastic, dude. I, I cannot get over how how great that was. Yeah, the Miami that last shot by Q dude unreal we actually have that clip should, should we play it for the people we need it we need to play it for the people we got vintage shane hey what up we got we got harrison what's going on harrison how's it going welcome to the stream everyone joining in welcome appreciate everyone joining saying what up should we should we do the clip is it time 
I think we got to show the clip, man. I mean, hey, it's not it's it's never a bad time to show the clip. Got to relive it. It's it's <laughs> it's it's like the moment, you know, it's you know, I was telling my girlfriend like this is her Syracuse moment, you know, like we yeah. you know we have, you know, John Gillen shot and other things where it's like a buzzer beating game winning shot is something special and uh here it is. By Cleveland. Five to shoot. Mintz still with a dribble. Lost it. It's Copeland for the win. Yes! Yes! Quentin Copeland is your hero. Whoa! Quadir! Young fella! Dude, I love that clip. Evo on the mic, on the call. Nothing better than that. It's just a beautiful thing. And Q's a bad man, dude. He's I feel like he's been the one that's been like having this coming for a while. He's been the guy that has brought all of the energy all the time. And to to quote a great man, uh that man deserved that shot. Uh he he really did. I think that he's been playing lights out this whole year. When you look at everybody on this roster, I think for me personally, Q is the guy that really has taken me by surprise. I've I've been surprised by not his play style because we knew that he could ball out, but the way that he has really sort of led the team. He's been that X factor that we've been talking about, especially in the beginning of the year. We were like, who's going to be that guy? Who's going to be the one to kind of step up when the team needs him most? Q, I think you can officially say now is is that guy. He is, you know, the side boogie. He is he is the leader out there, and he's the guy that we've been desperately needing for uh, I think a while now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he's our he's the, he's the energizer bunny, the the, the positive influence on, on the guy, uh, whether he's on the sidelines or in the game, and just the jolt of energy he gives to the entire team whenever he's involved in anything is is just you just can't underrate. So. One thing that uh, I thought was pretty interesting, kind of looking at the loss against Florida State, I don't mean to put a damper on things, but sort of looking at the quadrants, you know, you got, I I still don't fully understand the quadrant rules. So I guess, you know, a team that's one through 30, if you're playing them at home is a quad one win, and then it kind of goes on from there. But um, technically, our worst loss was Florida State, which in my eyes makes absolutely no sense. Florida State should not be a Q3 loss. They should be nowhere near a Q3. What happened after that? So so we were, what does it say? We were 62nd, and then we dropped to 79th after that? Yeah, unfortunately, Florida State had a pretty rough go in non-conference. Had a pretty bad record. I'm not sure exactly what all those losses they had. But yeah, they were like 90-something in the net the day we played them. And that is, of course, a Q3 loss, which is our first loss in anything other than Q1, which is a huge bummer. As on the screen, you can see all the breakdown everything. Right now, we're sitting 79 at the net. Yesterday, we were 82. So this is a ever-changing whether we play or don't play. Our net's going up or down based on all the other games happening. So. It's a number that does, you know, you 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 go from a Q1 loss to a Q1 win. It's We've kind of been up and down all year with this. But yeah, it's unfortunate to, to get that loss, especially since it's a Q3. I do think Florida State's playing really well in conference. So hopefully that gets bumped up to 2Q. But it is unfortunate nonetheless that we have, have a Q, Q3 loss on our uh, on our resume at the moment. So what you're saying is if Florida State continues to do well, then that'll rise to a Q2. And then all of this will be for naught. But until then, it's a Q3 loss that doesn't look very good for our tournament record, our tournament resume. I, I Do you like the, the, the quadrant rules? Do you like the emphasis on that when it comes to getting a tourney bid and trying to make it to the big dance? I mean, I've never really understood it. This is the first time I've ever looked into it at all. 
and like what makes a Q1 and what makes a Q2, Q2 and like I understand that now but still at the end of the day what makes me like realize that at the end of the day the committee you know come selection Sunday if you're if you're a bubble team no one really knows why or how you get in you know Joel Lenardi has infamous infamously gotten us wrong whether he said we're going to be in or, or or out he's gotten us wrong so even the best at at that gets gets it wrong so at the end of the day do we really know what it means i mean obviously for the at, for the people at large it makes sense but otherwise it's like do we really know what any of this stuff really boils boils down to at the end of the day it's we're in the hands of the committee and obviously we we want to be beyond that we don't want to be on the bubble we want to be like actually a lot at large bid but we got some work to do to get to that yeah we do i think from from this point on we have a couple of i don't want to say easy games coming up because anything in the acc is going to be difficult even if you're playing a team like louisville or notre dame who's at the bottom of the conference they can still beat you any day of the week so we have some middle of the road opponents coming up obviously nc state is coming up uh on our radar and we'll get to that in a little bit but um i think for me at least the thing that you have to do is immediately bounce back from this because it is a rough loss um it is a loss that could potentially be you know highlighted on a resume for for the worse so and also just for like the team's demeanor with a young team you want them to be able to bounce back quickly. You want them to be able to be like, all right, that loss was rough. Let's try to get back into it and try to keep our head heads on a swivel. But, um, you know, I think that, I think if any team is going to do it, it's these guys. I really have loved the attitude that they've had. We kind of have a good, bad, and ugly. And one thing I want to add to the good so far with this team is I think their attitude has been very good. I think that Red has come in He's had a solid game plan all year long. He's stuck to that game plan. And it hasn't really been, obviously Judah's been the guy for the majority of the season, but you've seen people come up and be like, oh my gosh, JJ is playing out of his mind right now. Malik is the one that's really headlining everything. It's not just one player that we're focusing on. And I think that that's important to note, especially with a team like this that we thought was really going to be led heavily by Judah. It's been everybody. It's been a team effort so far. I've been really impressed in that regard. And I feel like that hasn't been getting enough recognition by, by the media. You know, it's fair. I mean, when, when we're playing well and things are going good, you know, the guys love to play together. You can tell their energy and their chemistry is on the court. I would argue though, when things aren't going well, things get a little shaky, but we don't really need, we don't have to get into that too much. One thing I want to touch on before we move away from the resume is that our one Q1 win come against, comes against Pitt, which obviously I know they just beat, beat Duke, but otherwise that's not quite the marquee win you would like to have on your resume. And Pitt's a good team and you know they beat Duke in Cameron. That's a great feat. We'll see kind of how they fare the rest of the season here, but that's not quite the marquee win we need in our resume come you know, Selection Sunday to feel good about where we're at. John, what's going on? Welcome to the stream, bro. Appreciate you saying what up. I I do wonder too um, if a team like Oregon is going to possibly move up the rankings. I think that they are somebody that we need to kind of focus on right now. They're sitting at thirteen and five, and they're um, nine and zero at home. They're five and two in the conference. So I think a team like that is somebody that we need to um, you know just pay attention to. Maybe they kind of get on a hot streak here, and then they kind of move up to. Uh, quad one. I doubt that that will happen, but it is somebody that we should at least, you know, keep on the radar. So. Yeah. Oregon's been a team that's been in and out of key one for us right now. They're at 56. So if they get to 50 at any point the rest of the year, they'll bump up, bump up back to key one. So hopefully that, that, so yeah, that's a team we want to cheer for Pitt. Unfortunately is a team we're going to want to cheer for the rest of the year going on here. All these key one wins we, we got, we got to keep and, uh, the more we can join, can join Q1 is uh, obviously the better. So, unfortunately, there, there's some people we got to cheer for now. But I know, like Scotty said, you cheer for. I really don't want to cheer for Pitt. Yeah, I, we actually talked about that. Uh, do you think? And I want to leave this 
to our to our fans too. When we look at teams in the ACC that we've been very competitive with, and obviously we have a long history with Pitt, I feel like Pitt is almost our new rival. I feel like they're not necessarily on like the Duke level or the Georgetown level, but they are the team right now that when we're playing Pitt, I don't like Pitt. I really don't want to, I really want to beat them. So I wonder maybe Pitt is in the conversation for, you know, top five, maybe rivals in, in our, uh, in, in our radar. I, I think that you can make a case for it at least. Yeah. I mean, like most relevant, most relevant at this time rival, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, there's history with the Big East days, you know, you have Tyler and his shot. That's a huge moment. That That's pit. And, uh, yeah, it's Hinson's fault. Yeah. Good point. He, he definitely knows how to get guys riled up. And, uh, yeah. And I, you know, having the history of Judah originally ha- being committed to pit and now he's obviously with the good guys. There's some Bible there. The, the fans, the zoo always lets, lets him know that they're mad at him and we swept him. So there's the answer there. <laughs> so let's move on to the good, the bad, the ugly, Zach. We touched on him a little bit. Judah Mintz has been playing lights out so far. He's been absolutely on a tear this year. He's been... Oh, my bad, everybody. I just played some clips. <laughs> Go ahead, my bad. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, technical difficulties. This is our first real live. This is live, stream, everybody. This is live, this is live everybody. Uh, if, also, if you have any questions for us, drop them in the comments. We'll be sure to try to get to them as soon as we can. But um, just kind of finish my thought. Judah Mintz has been playing lights out. He's been everything that's been advertised. He's been top three in points per game in the ACC. He's also top three in steals, which is pretty interesting. Uh, it's also kind of interesting too, Zach, because I remember at one point, especially this year, you were talking about how Judah needed to kind of up his defense. So real quick, do you think that he's done that? Do you think that he's worked on his defense enough that you're, you're comfortable with it? I mean, obviously he's, he's tied for second with our best defender of the team, which is Malik Brown at yeah. like 2.8 assists a game, which obviously is a great feat, but Yeah. Great role player, absolutely, Scott. I think we're we're gonna touch more on Malik later on, but Malik is he's just he's just so so good. But right now on Judah defense, I still think at times but my my biggest face palm with Judah on defense is when he makes those com- commits on defense and over commits, over reaches in. Hasn't done that the last few games here, so that's good. But it's happened throughout this year happened very recently and that's something that he still needs to eliminate from his his defense so he's a good defender he, he you know he he obviously gets steals you know he's good at reading but there are times where he needs to focus a little bit more on keeping the guy in front of him and other than that you know obviously uh he, the stats kind of kind of say kind of say a, a bit of a bit about his defense there was a take that you had heard recently though that ever since i heard it i I really have been like damn that makes a lot of sense what was it you'd rather have 10 points 13 assists and eight rebounds judah versus 28 points judah and you know if he drops 28 against florida state that's great but at the end of the day it's really not doing too much for us and it's not really helping us a ton the judah that i love to see is the one that's almost at a triple double and even though he's only got 10 points on the board, it doesn't really matter. He's still got 13 assists, which is huge. We've been missing somebody that's been able, that's, you know, able to dish out like he has. I think that he has um, really stepped up his game in that regard too. Yeah. I mean, individually 28 performance is fantastic and we needed all those 28 points, but just in terms, I mean, obviously I get in that situation. A lot of other guys are struggling. No one is really able to get going. You know, we made one three against Florida State, so yeah. it, was, it was it was tough. But yeah, like Scott just mentioned, he his his ten assists contributed to a net thirty six points. So yeah, yep. he was only scoring ten points, but he's sharing the ball, and most importantly, he's getting his team involved. When the team's involved, when guys are making shots, when guys are sharing the ball, chemistry's up, everyone's feeling great, and that translates to defense. 
the offense to the whole game. And it's just a better recipe for success. And that's why that makes a little bit more sense. It's like, yeah, we love to see, you know, these huge performances, but we also love to see the team do well. Cause fortunately Florida state Judah did well and the team did not do well. Yeah, no, that's true. I think one person too, that we were certainly missing. I know that he had a, a, a decent game, but somebody that's been hot as well that I want to touch on too is JJ Starling. He's really starting to kind of come into his own double digit points in the past three games. He dropped 22 against Miami. A lot of people wanted him to get it going early on. He had a, a little bit of a funk there kind of in the, in the middle of um, the batch of games that we had um, sort of right before ACC play. And I think he's really starting to kind of come into his own. He's starting to find his role. That's a big question that I had when he joined the team. I was like, okay, he's a tremendous talent. We're extremely lucky to have him, but what is his role going to be? Is he going to be that leader? Is he going to try to lead um, with Judah? I think that they complement each other amazingly. Obviously, they're pretty good friends off the court too, and it shows because they're tremendous. They're they're one of the best one-two punches that is in the ACC and possibly even the NCAA, which is that's saying a lot, but I think that he's really starting to kind of, you know, come into his own and I think it's well-deserving because he's been playing great. Yeah. His six tens against Miami was unreal. Yeah. Yep. And you know, he just went back to his roots in high school because out of high school, this is kind of a storyline that's been picked up more and more as he's continued to become or be able to show that he is a good shooter. In high school, he was regarded as the shooter. He shot a lot in yeah. high school. He has a great three-point threat from in high school. Went to Notre Dame. You know, he, I believe, what was it, a shoulder injury? Whatever injury, kind of messed things up a little bit for him, it sounds like. But he, he's going back to his roots of being a shooter, and, like, that's his identity. He, he's, he's talked about this in, like, post-game interviews and stuff that, like, he's a shooter. Like, he's not afraid to shoot. He works on a shoot a lot. He goes to Mel all the time. So, yeah, I mean... If I think that's the key, though, is that when he's able to shoot, when he's able to like, find that three-point shot, I think that's the key to help him complement Mitz the most. Obviously, they both are fantastic and get into the lane, but mm-hmm. if he's able to, to contribute from the three-point line as well, that's huge, and ultimately the difference maker to make those two the best backcourt back in the country. Yeah, and then lastly, we touched on him a little bit earlier, Kadir is, is playing insane he has been absolutely insane and like i said earlier i i have been probably the most surprised with him i think you could also lump malik in there too but we kind of knew that malik was a a terrific player but kadir like coming off the bench has he just finds energy i'm not sure how he finds it but he just he just picks it up and just runs with it doesn't really matter what the score is. I love his attitude. I love that he's not overly emotional when it comes to playing. You know, he he doesn't get in his head too much. Um, every great player has, you know, sometimes that issue that they're kind of in their head too much. Judah, I know, was struggling with that a little bit last year, but Quadir has been terrific. Uh, I mean, I, I can't sing my praises enough about him. He's been the guy. He He is the leader. He is the guy out there that we've been looking for. Let him cook. That's all I got to say about Codier. He's been playing great. I mean, obviously the shot we showed earlier, unreal. You know, he did have a tough go at Florida State, but that happens. And a lot of the team also had a tough go. So it happens. He'll bounce back and let the man cook. That's all all I got to say. I do want to touch on the bad now. Um, I think we got to start with uh, the losses. When they come, they are in very big batches, as we had touched on earlier. 17, 19, 22, 20, 36, and 16 are all the point differentials for our six losses this year. That's tough. And when you dig yourself into a hole that much, it's really difficult to climb out of it. Um, Granted, we've been playing very good teams, and Earlier in the year, when we were in Maui, we really got wrecked. We were not ready for Maui whatsoever. And you can kind of chalk some of those big losses up to that. But when it comes to ACC play, UNC, and then this past loss against Florida State, 
that's, you know, that's tough as this team starts to kind of connect and everything. You don't want that to become a trend, obviously, because you don't want losses on the team, but also you got to keep the good energy up. And I think the way to do that is to just, you know, try to be in the game as much as you can and don't let it get away from you. Cause that's what, that's what I worry about the most with this team is that when it does happen, I worry that it's just going to kind of slip away from them and not going to be able to get it back at all. Right. I mean, there's been a few games where things have, have been close or slipped away and we've come back from, you know, like a seven point deficit, but yeah, it's, it's just unfortunate. I'm not sure exactly why once we slip off the cliff, it's just a total down downfall. It seems like I'm not sure exactly what's happening there. I mean, obviously against elite competition, it makes sense, but the first time it felt like we, we, we just lost our footing against a team we quote unquote should have beat or say obviously and to lose by that margin. I mean, obviously I really don't feel like that was like a 15 point loss. It was, it was closer down the stretch than that, but at the end of the day, they, they took over and they, they handed to us there in, in the last few minutes. And I'm not really sure why that's happening. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can maybe chalk it up to just, you know, a young team that doesn't know how to try to get their head back into it. But, you know, that's not to say that they're just, you know, they kind of slump their shoulders and they're just out of it for the rest of the, you know, the rest of the game. And they just kind of, you know, go through the motions and then go home. That's, that's not to say that at all. I, I think that they are trying out there and Red's trying to get, do their best to try to get back into it. But when you're missing that veteran leadership, you're missing that, that voice on the court, that I don't think a person like Quidier can really um, provide yet, just because he hasn't he hasn't been in the trenches enough. When you're in the trenches, you gotta you gotta try to fight your way out of it. And um, you know we're just we're missing that right now. And I think just that will come with time. And we could even see that later this year. Just try to bounce you know bounce your way back when you have a tournament like the ACC tournament. That's gonna be tough when it's like back to back days you're going to be in them trenches, man. And you got to try to fight your way out of it because uh, nobody's coming to save you except yourself. So, and then also uh, I think he's been, he's been missing quite a bit. Uh, Justin Taylor has been struggling mightily too. He's in my notes here. He's been a ghost since the Niagara game. I'm not really sure what's going on with him, Zach. I think he's just, he's, he's taking his looks, but they're just not falling. And he doesn't really look lost out there, but, Definitely a surprising character, especially earlier this year when I thought he was going to be really cooking early on. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, he's definitely struggled to score and just in general put up shots too. He didn't put up a single three in the FSU game. I do think he does a few good things a game still, you know, gets a good, few good boards. You know, he's still battling there in, in, in the minutes he is getting. But I do think, again, like, he is not playing starter minutes anymore and hasn't been for quite the stretch here. So that opens it opens the door for our guy Q opens yep. the door for, for Benny who's been playing pretty positively recently. So in a way, in a way it's good for to open the door to those guys. Um, obviously you would love to see Justin be able to hit some shots and uh, be the, the three-point marksman that he's he's touted to be, and then and we've we've seen him be, but for whatever reason he he's kind of struggled here in conference play, and I, I'm not sure what it is. I would love to see, I'd love to see some plays try to get him to open shots. I feel like I don't really see that as much this year. Of like, oh, this is a clear play to get you know back in the day, but Buddy Beheim a shot or Joe Girard. I don't feel like I see like super intentional like play like catch and shoot clear like three-point shot play as much um love to see that for him might might help him get going feel like he struggles to create his own shot a little bit especially from three so yeah i, I don't know it's it's a bummer but it's, it's where we're at unfortunately i think you're seeing that a lot more the open looks and the plays for chris bell and Chris has been doing pretty good. He's had his moments. He's had huge moments this year uh, where I guess NBA scouts have been looking at him a little bit. 
But yeah, you're not really seeing that with JT. And I wonder, this question just popped in my head. It might not be a good question, but I'm going to ask it anyways to you. Um, do you think that maybe on the court right now, there's just too many cooks? You know, we got Chris out there who can shoot. We got JT out there who can who can shoot. They're both kind of straight shooters. Do you think it might be an instance where the court isn't really big enough for the two of them to put up both of their, you know, both of their numbers that they very rightly deserve. I mean, if everyone was scoring and like, then I would say that could be a potential argument, but we're not, no one's consistently scoring enough, especially from three to feel like there's too many shots going up or someone being too consistent for someone to also get theirs. It's it's whoever, like our three point, specialist has changed from game to game or doesn't really show up at all. So unfortunately, I don't think that is really the problem here. I'm not sure exactly what the issue is, but I don't know. I, I think it's just a part of the ability to, to get shots, confidence, take shots. I mean, I appreciate him not taking shots if he's not confident or like not taking good shots. I, I love the, you know, I, I, I hate, bad shot selections from that vantage point that's great but zero shots for a three-point shooter is also a really bad thing so yeah yeah let's move on to the ugly uh we got a couple stats here that i want to read to you um obviously we only had one three-pointer made against fsu which is horrible that is the storyline for the game and just kind of how it went um and again maybe that's just not very good looks. Maybe that's uh, trying to focus on other elements of the game. I'm not really sure, but um, certainly you're not going to win when you only have one three the entire game. Um, And then obviously uh, I got here last in the ACC in opponents rebounds per game at 38 and a half. So opponents are getting roughly 40 rebounds a game against us. We're not doing a great job of boxing out in the paint. Um, you could maybe chalk that up to Malik having to start at the five, but Malik has been showing time and time again. And I had my doubts early on this year. I, I really did that. He wasn't going to be able to get it done at the five starting, but he's more than proven that he's good. Um, so I think it might be, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's a case of just, not having other players being able to box out and be aggressive. We talked just now that JT has been kind of a guy that could come in and get some rebounds for you. But since he's not really playing a ton, maybe that opens a door for opponents to take, take advantage of that. So I'm not really sure what that is, Zach. I, I could, it could just be like the lack of having a true five out there. It could just be the lack of having anybody else or else out there that can rebound. Scott said her best. Oof. It's definitely an oof stat to 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 read. JT is our three third leading rebounder. So like mm-hmm. we mentioned, he he does get on the boards. He he does contribute when he's on the court. It's not at all unfortunately he's not scoring, but he is able to contribute here and there pieces by pieces. Obviously, we need more and we would like more, and I'm sure he does too. Yeah, the the rebounding has been an issue all all, all all year long. It's always it's always a huge battle whether we're gonna get it or not. I think the height, the lack of height, is an issue at times. And I'm not really sure what else boils down to, but it's uh, definitely a struggle. And then lastly, the stat that I got here is second most allowed threes in the ACC with 453 forgive me i don't have a calculator on me right now so i can't calculate what that was per game but uh and like an idiot i didn't write it down but um that's that stat actually kind of surprised me a little bit i haven't been feeling like our defense has really had many holes in it i i think obviously the good teams are going to be good teams and they're going to shoot on us and they're going to score but at no point have I been like, man, our our perimeter defense has been awful. Have you seen that at all? Because that stat really kind of took me by surprise when I when I saw it. Yeah, I I feel like teams haven't crushed us at three. Like in in the years yeah. past, in zone, 
when teams got hot and really were able to tear apart the zone, it, you could feel like you're like, wow, like they we're allowing more threes, I guess, maybe this year or just in the ACC, we're allowing a lot of threes, but. I don't think we're, I don't think, those are just attempts. Doesn't mean they're they're necessarily in. I'm not sure the stat on like actual made shots against their defense this year, but it feels less than it has been in, in recent years. You know, back in the days when like, you know, Virginia would absolutely torture us and, you know, people would have their, you know, historic nights of yeah. three-point shots made against the zone, unfortunately. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think just in transition getting out, people are getting shots, but luckily they're not they're not converting as many as we've seen like against his own in years past. Yeah. That is true. Uh you've seen that a couple times with uh Virginia just ha- players having career nights and um I know with Duke a couple times there were like, Oh yeah, career high with thirty points and however many threes that they've had. But that's true. We haven't really seen that this year at all. And that's why that stat really kind of took me by surprise. Those are sort of the good, the bads, and the uglies. If anybody has anything, uh, let us know. We'll be sure to uh, per- be sure to say it. But I think overall right now, and I ask you this all the time, but are you happy with where we're at right now as far as our record in the year and how, how we're looking so far um, just sort of overall? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I do think... The Florida State loss was pretty brutal. I mean, obviously, I don't think it's game over, but it was that that one hurt the most based on what it did to metrics and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And just you know, a first home loss game we should have won. You know, all the things we've already gone over. But yeah, no, I still feel good. I still feel like this team is capable of a lot, and I'm excited for what we're able to to do there's still i believe 12 games left on the season and yep. we can we can get some stuff work done and i'm excited 12 games left in the season i believe that is true we're 18 games in we're definitely past the halfway point in the regular season not in postseason zach we're we're not even close to being halfway if we count our run in march madness but even though it is getting true, late, real, real quick, just kind of want to recap, Zach. What were some of the best moments of the first half of the season, at least for you, off the top of your head? Mm, best moments. I mean, I think you got to go back to Judah's poster against LSU. That's the right. Post Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I'm mad. I will. I want to slam this down your throat. Actually, I have a clip of that. If we want to play real quick. Yes. Yes. Yes, I do. Okay, just for anyone who wants to see it again or, or forgot Judas poster, let's take a look. So mean, so mean. And that was his career high night of 33 points too. Oh, man. So good. And that was a great moment for sure. When Judah plays with... That kind of fire, he's electric, man. And I don't know what NBA team would pass on him. I worry that this could, if he keeps this up, be his last year in an orange uniform. I don't even want to think about that right now, though. But like the way that he brings the energy to court when he gets fired up like that, nobody nobody can beat him. Nobody can beat him at all. Another guy I want to highlight uh, that had a couple of yams actually pretty recently against Boston college, Chris bell, Chris bell brought a, uh, an element to his game that I, I did not know was there. That man had a couple breakaways, had two yams in BC 20 point performance. I think that that was one of the best moments of the season so far too, man. That was electric. Yeah. It was, it was cool to see CB above the rim, rocking the rim like that and getting up twice in a game and also having a monster performance of 20 points. That was really cool to see from him. Always, always hyped to see CB, you know, going at it. He's a pretty emotional guy. So when he's, when he's doing well, it's, you can, you love to see that look on his face. I've been noticing too, that he's been stepping it up on uh, on defense too. And I'm glad to see that. I'm glad that uh, 
you know, Chris has been getting some nods. I know that I think it was Devo was talking about that he was getting some pro scouts in the building. It was nice to hear that. I think that he's a guy that absolutely has deserved it. You touched on it earlier. I think also one of my personal uh, favorite moments of the season so far was JJ's uh, six threes against Miami. JJ has been crazy, especially recently in the past like three or four games. He's been insane. That Miami game itself was just full of emotion. Fun fact, I was supposed to be there. And number one, the snowstorm was a little bit tricky to kind of go around, but also uh, shout out to Ticketmaster, who wouldn't let me buy any of the tickets for that Miami game. So I could have seen a fantastic game, but I did not. So that was pretty rough. Uh, I will never forgive Ticketmaster for that. But, you know, here we are, Zach. I, I guess this is the life of, you know, technology and where we're at right now. If Ticketmaster wants to be our sponsor later, we'll we'll talk to them. But for right now, I'm a little bit upset with them. Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough one to be planning on going to and not going to. <laughs> I want to I want to throw back to a moment early on in the season. I believe it is against Pitt, but Red's first tech. Yeah, that's right. Call. Red got fired up, got after a ref, and received that's his right. first tech as head coach. I just love to see that from Red. You know, it was a fiery moment. He 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 was he's defending his team. I just love seeing that emotion and passion on the court you know we've seen jim have those moments and it was, it was just cool to see red out there fired up and uh i don't know it's just one of my favorite moments of the of, of the year it took so long for jim to get his first ejection i wonder how long it's going to take red to get his first ejection and i hope it doesn't come to a point where uh he's ejected based on a, a call that ends up losing us the game Shout out to CJ Fair's great take. But uh yeah, like you said, love to see that passion from Red. Um he's he's been that guy, man. He's he's taken over the role and he's embraced it. And um I don't know if he's ever going to give the refs as much lip as Jim Beheim did, but I don't think that really anybody could can match uh Jim Beheim's level of <laughs> his his uh discussions with the refs after some calls is just absolutely fantastic i miss jim so much yeah it's 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 a bummer to not see. he's gonna be at the game yep this saturday though so that'll be cool to see him yep. back in the dome for the first time this year i'll be cool to see him i'm uh, excited uh excited for that and then also zach uh i can't go without saying it q shot man was definitely the number one moment in this first half of the season, so I think far, yeah. uh, so far it's, it's been terrific. The team needed it. I really thought it was going to propel us to win against FSU. Unfortunately that did not happen, but, uh, Q's moment, man, he's, he's up there now with John Gillen. He's up where there with uh Tyus battle, uh, some legends that wore the Q's uniform. He's really making a name for himself. And if he doesn't, if he's not careful, he's going to go down as, one of the best to wear a Q's uniform, one of the most electric, Zach. Amen to that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's some other moments we we missed here. If anyone in the chat has any moments that comes to mind, we'll be able to share. But yeah, it's it's we've had some shining moments so far this year, and I'm excited for the moments of, of shine coming up for the rest of the year here. So real quick, uh, NC State is coming up. They've lost two straights to Virginia Tech and Virginia. Um, don't know too much about them. Just kind of know they've been sort of middle of the pack for mostly everything in the ACC. DJ Horn is their leading scorer. He's a grad transfer from Arizona State. He's averaging almost 15 points a game. Zach, the last time we saw them, they were ranked. We beat them by three. That was last year. That was a, a pretty good game from what I remember. And I think to get everything back on the right course, we need to big time win against them um especially with UNC on on the horizon. Yeah, I'm really ex- interested to see the matchup of of Burns, their their massive tank of the center. <laughs> Wonder how we'll be able to handle him and you know with Malik and our our lack of size there. I do think, you know, I, I think Malik is going to be able to handle him, but obviously he's he's a force and I'll, I'll be curious to see how that matchup works down the stretch here. 
And not to get too caught up in all this Q1, Q3, but unfortunately, this is going to be a Q3 win if we do win. So, uh, got to gotta get this one for sure. Not really a resume powder, but still, it's an ACC game and anybody can beat you at any time. So, you know, it's big. Um, like I said, that'll be a uh, uh, huge momentum swing if we're able to knock it out and, uh, you know, kind of get back on track, as it were. The game's taking place on Saturday. I believe it's at 7 o'clock. Um, so, yeah, make sure you tune in for that one, Zach. Ethan just joined. He said, we need chance very badly. What yes, do we do. That? Yeah, we really, really do. I, I do miss him. I'm excited to see what he's going to bring next year. Um, and I think that he brings an element to the game that we are are sorely missing. I, I do think that we've been, you know, we we've been able to kind of hold our own without him, but you do wonder like where he's going to pretty much fit in the lineup next year. Is he going to have, you know, the starter potential? Is he going to be the first guy off the bench? I think we'll have to wait and see, you know, to see what happens um, with the lineup, uh, you know, obviously in the next coming months. But um, I think that is something that we got to have to, you know, we're going to have to kind of keep in the back of our head, especially when when he's good and healthy. Speaking of next year too, Donnie Freeman, our, our now five-star burger boy, very recently got named to the, McDonald's All-American list, and very recently got upgraded to five stars. He's he's ranked 19th on the ESPN Top 100 20, 2024 class. He's looking really really good. It's uh, it's super exciting, and you know next year uh, that's gonna be it's gonna be really cool to see him coming coming to the Qs, and he's gonna be ready to bring it. it sounds so I'm uh, I'm really yeah. excited. You know, I don't want to look too far into next year. It's always exciting, especially, you know, recruit high school recruits to hear them. And especially, you know, having someone like Donnie get upgraded to five-star recruit and, of course, get that McDonald's All-American honor is a, is a great, 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 great privilege and honor. So, super exciting stuff. I did wonder when, when Red initially took over, Obviously, people wanted to go to the program because Jim Beheim has been coaching Syracuse since the, you know, the dinosaurs roamed the earth. And I wondered if the same level of recruits were going to be on Cuse's doorstep when Red took over. And it seems like Red has far exceeded those expectations. The, the recruiting class has been sensational. Obviously, this year was terrific. Next year is looking just as good. It's really surprised me, and um, I think that that credit goes to Red. It goes to GMAC. Goes to everybody that's actually out there, you know, on the constantly on the grind of recruiting. I know it's it's pretty tough to be out there all the time, but they're man, the program is looking really, really bright, and I'm super excited to see you know what we can what we've been able to achieve basically ten years from now. Ethan said that he thinks Elijah Moore can make an instant. Impact. He's been watching the OTE games with Jelly Fam, and he, he thinks he's he's ready for the next step. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's really good. I mean, Ethan, would you th- do you think he's a true point guard though? He seems like more of a guard scoring score first guy. Not that's a bad thing, but I feel like he's more of a more of a shooting guard than point guard, which obviously not a bad thing. But what are, what are your thoughts on that? I'm curious. He'd be a very tall point guard six four that'd be a really really tall point guard but um and you know the the obviously question next year is going to be what happens with judah and if he does stick around then obviously he's going to be the go-to guy but if he does inevitably leave you know who would take over that role is it going to be jj is it going to be elijah is it going to be somebody else that comes in I just don't know. We we haven't even talked about the possibility of grad, grad transfers coming in too. So, um, you know, that is something that we need to kind of keep in mind. And, you know, if it isn't Elijah, then basically who is it going to be? Um, off the top of your head, Zach, if it isn't JJ, I mean, who who else could it be? For, for PG? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe JJ could, could fill, fill that more 
pass first. I mean, he hasn't really shown shown that too much. I mean, obviously he can handle the ball and he and he does run point from time to time or at least carry the ball up the court from time to time. I do love having you know score score first point guard. You know, we have that, you know, these last two years with Judah. Sounds like we're going to get get some of that with Elijah. And it does, you know, like Ethan points out, crest opportunities for assists because people got to respect respect the shot because he, obviously he, he's capable of scoring, you know, anyone on the court. But I do like the idea of having a, a, a pass first, team oriented PG to really th- get things flowing, find our shooters, find find our, and just really facilitate. I know like the, the league is a little kind of moving away from that true role of like assists and PG, but for some reason that mentality, that that way of playing point guard is something I really love to see. I think that's that's PG at its finest in in my eyes. When when the PG is got his goggles on and he you know like what Judah did a few games ago and get 13 assists, that I love. That's top 10. That's what I would love to see every night if I could. Well, like Scotty said earlier, net 36 points for Judah during that game. He had 13 assists that basically led to 36 points of opportunity for other guys. So, um, you know, assist first is definitely a true PG mentality that needs to be, I think, you know, coveted more. And like you said earlier, or like we were talking about earlier, 10 points, 13 assists, Judah is definitely more valuable than um, 28 points, Judah. So I think that's big. I think that that is, um, something that at least for Judah's sake too, he, you know, he's done a great job of developing. And then for our future point guard, we, we need that. We need somebody to be able to facilitate and create opportunities. Like you just said. Yeah. I'm just reading Ethan's comment. He's saying he agrees. Yeah. I, I, I really just think and all, some a guy to, to facilitate the offense and, and run it. I feel like at times when we're just when we're too consistent with Judah or just was our, our, whoever is hot at the moment, it just it's not consistent. We can't really get in a flow, and the point guard's role is to keep things in flow, make the guys around you better. That's the key is making the guys around you better. You know, find the lot, finding that find that pass, and if we had to go like that. If we had a guy like that this year that could, we could plug and play, that could help spark things up when, when we're in a little rut, I think that could be a difference maker. I really do. Well, that's what we were missing with uh, with Cy, right? That's why we love Cy so much. He was the general out there. And, you know, it's it's definitely sorely missed right now. I think that while Q has come in and has been the vocal leader, um, I think that Sai has been, you know, he's kind of like the standard for, for everybody to come in and be the best true PG that you can be. I do miss him, man. I'm glad that he's doing well in Binghamton, but if he was here this year, he would be, he'd be having a lot of fun. I think with these guys, dude, size top five in assists per game nationally D one. That's crazy. That's at, crazy. At, at Binghamton this year. The man knows. I'm so to, happy. I'm so happy. the rock. Him. Ethan yeah. wants to know our thoughts on the season. He sees, you know, the IG page, you know, the Q's IG page filled with sorry fans who are disappointed. And he makes, you know, the point that Rome was not built in a day. It's going to take time. Yeah. Uh, actually, Zach and I had talked about this, had talked about the fans after a loss. Uh, they do tend to get in their feelings, and this is not necessarily a just this year uh, issue. This has been going on for as long as I've been following Syracuse basketball. Um, I think that the season as a whole has been significantly better than what I thought it was going to be, especially with this young of a group. Um, I knew it was going to, like you said, Rome wasn't built in the day. I knew it was going to take time, but I think both Zach and I have both been very surprised that Hey, we're sitting at 12 and six right now. We're looking pretty good. We got a quad one win. Granted, it was against Pitt, but um, for the most part, I've been pleasantly surprised. There are a lot of things that we do need to work on. Again, it's a young team. We got to bounce back from an FSU loss, but I think the fans might go overboard just a, a tiny bit when it comes to losses. And, uh, you know, calling your favorite team an, uh, uh, an NIT team is. Definitely not, um, you know, 
ideal. <laughs> it's really not ideal. That's not, it's not the best fandom that you can uh, have, I guess. Switching gears here, Melody just makes the point. Hughes Women's just took down number 15 Notre Dame. That's insane. That's that a sweep. That's the first time we, that's ever happened in history. We are sleeping on the women's team. We got to wake up. Everybody needs to wake up. The women's team is elite. We got, we, we, got, we, got, we got to tune in. We got to tap in. It's time. We're sleeping way too long. This, this is bad. They're going to shoot up the rankings, man. They're, what, 17-2 and two now? I'm looking at Unreal. it right now, 17-2. and two. That is crazy. We need to get some interviews, man. We need to get some interviews with some players. And uh, you're right. Everybody's been sleeping on them. They've got a tough schedule coming up. They got number 19. The ACC is, is elite on the women's yes. side. I mean, I think the yeah. ACC on the men's side is slept on notoriously. But wow. on the women's side, ACC is the league to be in. Zach, we got to go to a game. We got to go. We got to go to a game. The two threes got to take over the dome and go to, I don't know, man, this VT game looks pretty good. Number 19 VT against soon to be significantly higher than number 22 Qs. Uh, and then after that, you got a nice little turnaround and then you got to go play Louisville. Who's number 18th in the nation. The ACC and women's basketball, man, is going crazy. Shout out to them. We, we do not give them enough love. I don't think that anybody really gives them enough love, but we, they they deserve it, man. We we actually saw them play in uh uh Monroe Madness. It was really fun to see them. And uh yeah, they they've been absolutely fantastic this year. Yeah, Dias Rivera is unreal. Crazy. Absolutely unreal. Like great story. Jesus unreal. I, I don't even know what to say. Just lost for words of how great great she is. Yeah, during Monroe Madness, we had we had very nice seats. We were able to watch the game up close and uh Seeing her play is is special. It's really, really special to watch that. And uh, shout out to the women's team. That's crazy. Zach, we need to go to a game. We really, really need to go to a game badly. Mm-hmm. Even though Ticketmaster and I have not been getting along, I will happily use Ticketmaster again to go to the women's game soon. That's yeah, awesome. it's, t- it's time to tap in. I mean, it's been time to tap in this whole year, and, and now it's... It's beyond time to tap in. They they are the real deal, and they're they're only going upward. And this is only year two for Coach yeah. Jack, which she's in. She's amazing. She's great. Every time, anytime I ever see her speak, anytime I see anything from her ever, it's just positive and fantastic. Honestly, like she lays the perfect archetype. Not to compare and contrast too much for for Red, what he could potentially do with with him overtaking, you know the men's side of the program. That's a good, yeah, that's a good comparison. That is, we've got, we're, we're privileged here in, in, in Syracuse, man. And I don't think that that's really talked about enough and acknowledged enough. Obviously coach Bayheim, people talk about him quite a bit, but we've got two fantastic programs right now that are young, very young and have been doing terrific things Obviously, the women's side, they're they're now ranked. And the men's side, we're looking pretty promising. Again, 12 and 6, it's nothing to sniff at. And I think that they are a serious contender for going to the dance. I think, you know, the men's side of things, while it's very, very young and they have a, a brand new head coach, I think that they could put, they could make it. I, I hope they make it. But, you know, they... We're, we're privileged here, man. And I think that the fans need to kind of remember that, even though there might just be one little loss against FSU that obviously was not very pretty. Listen, man, we're, we're still in a pretty good position here and uh, everything is looking up right here. Absolutely. Yeah. So yes, next game, uh, Saturday against NC state. Be on the lookout for that. Also a uh, shout out to, uh, vintage who is live right now. Make sure you guys go over there. You guys need to, uh, uh, go check them out after we're, we're done here. Um, yeah. Switching, switching gears. Zach, we, we've been live for an hour now. I did not know that we were going to, I love the, the fan interaction. We still have messages coming in here, Zach. Yeah. I appreciate everyone stopping in and saying what up in the chat and, and leaving, leaving all the comments. We'll shout out to Scott and Ethan for all the comments you guys have, have left. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we, we hope to do these more often. This is 
our debut stream on Instagram and we think it's pretty cool and uh, hopefully we can keep these going and keep doing them. So yeah, appreciate it. All right, everybody. Let's go Q's and uh, we'll see you all soon. We're going to try to do this again. Hopefully make this kind of a weekly thing. Um, but until then, we'll be we'll be talking to you all soon. Let's go Q's, man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Ethan. I love to hear that. All right. See you guys. Thanks so see much. Ya. See ya.